for half a century, WJPZ Syracuse has been the greatest media classroom on the planet. We've trained students from the 1970s to the 2020s on how to run a professional radio station. But the lessons learned and relationships formed go far beyond studios and transmitters. Taking a look back through the eyes of those who experienced it. This is WJPZ at 50. Welcome to WJPZ at 50. I am John Jagay, joined by recent alum, class of 2022, now currently PM Drive at B94.5 in State College, Pennsylvania, and Assistant Program Director of Seven Mountains Media. I think I got all that right. Kyle Left, welcome. It's good to be here, and you did get it all correct. Uh, it's strange to have a real title having just graduated college, but you will take it. So we're recording this five months after graduation, um, and we got a lot to get to today, including the COVID years, which we're really going to dive into a lot. But Tell me how it's been so recently graduating and jumping into the real world. It has felt surreal at times. Yeah. Uh, having graduated college, I accepted the job a month over the week after graduation. Wow. So I started up uh, just around a month after graduation officially. Uh, so I really haven't had a time to like stop and be like, I graduated college and now I'm working. So it's been right from one to the other. And I have been taking it day by day, but it sometimes feels surreal that it feels like I haven't had time to like stop, take a step back and think, okay, what happened in life? Where am I now? What am I doing? I just kind of one from one to the other. I have to ask, have you been to a Penn State football game yet? I have not been yet. They've only had, I believe, two or three home games and I've been working for two of them. Okay. But hopefully I'll be going to the Ohio State game on the 28th. Okay, we're recording this on October 10th. So hopefully by the time you listen to this, Kyle will have been to Penn State, Ohio State and be wonderful if Penn State had pulled an upstate over Ohio State. Since I'm a Michigan guy now, I'd love to see that happen. Oh, it so. would be fantastic. <laughs> All right. So the station has been through a number of challenges. We're chronicling them throughout the podcast here. Everything from getting on the air to start, moving to FM, the tragedy, of course, of Pan Am 103, being on the air on September 11th. We've got an episode on that. But there may not have been a challenge as unique and prolonged as what Kyle dealt with as the GM from summer of 2020 through summer of 2022. And that, of course, the COVID-19 pandemic. As best you can, Kyle, take us through March of 2020 and throughout it as best you're able. Yeah. So March of 2020 was when the COVID pandemic boomed, essentially. Obviously, everyone knows this by now. That was when everything kicked off. Uh, we had our banquet for Z just a week prior to everything going crazy. Perilously close to it, if I might add. And we all got back. We're like, whoa, we were just in a huge group of people. And uh, OK, I mean, there were jokes made about it at Banquet in 2020 because we didn't realize how serious it was. There were only one or two alumni who really took it seriously. We're like, what are you worried about? And then a week or two later, it was like, oh, they were right. Yeah, they were right. But we got lucky. No one, as far as I know, got sick. <laughs> I hope not. But after that, everything went crazy. Obviously, we all shut down. Everything shut down on campus. We got booted off at Syracuse and then didn't come back until August, September, going into the new year. And at that point, we uh, were told, as I was incoming GM at the time, that we had regulations. They had restrictions for us in terms of COVID and masking in place, but we weren't told what they were, that we were kind of just going off of what the university and the CDC were saying and had to kind of just make do with that when we asked what our responsibilities were in terms of making sure we were safe COVID wise, it was on us to make it. Uh, and as college students being told to be uh, healthy and safe is usually not part of the, the program um, <laughs> that usually college is where it is a super spreader anyway, being at college. Right, right. So figuring all of that out was a big part of it. But we 
we saw a lot of people just wanting to do things after that first summer, which I'm guessing everyone has seen was that first 2020 summer. Everyone was just sitting at home, had nothing to do. Right. We all went kind of crazy. Netflix only had so much for us to watch. You can only watch Tiger King through once, and that was about it, if you remember 2020. so And I still didn't watch it. I refused to watch it. <laughs> I give you a lot of credit for that, sir. So was the station on the air in summer 2020, or just kind of automated, or how did that piece of it work? We were automated. Um, the systems we use allow us to automate everything. So the guy at the time, GM, who was changing over to me, was keeping everything going for the summer uh, until we got back automation-wise. There was no shows on air. Uh, we were essentially off air from... I believe it was March 11th through to August 31st, give or take. So March to August, when you say off air, you mean it was essentially just music and sweepers, no jocks, no specialty shows, anything like that. Mm -hmm. Just music, no anything else, nothing special, just music playing, sweepers, the liners, the generic stuff going on, no one talking. And who was the GM before you? Uh, Melody M was the GM prior to me, uh, and I took over the summer going into 2020. So, I mean, what were the conversations like between you and Melody as you took over and you're in the middle of a once in a hundred year pandemic? They were like, okay, everything is going to go insane and crazy and nothing's going to make sense. And this isn't going to be a normal GM tenure. Just do what you think is best and trust your judgment. Yeah. Talk to everybody. And if something goes right, it goes right. If it goes wrong, it goes wrong. But right now, no one knows what's going to happen for this next six months or whatever we thought it was going to be. So you can't really do wrong, if that makes any sense, that I couldn't do wrong. Yeah, I think that's probably emblematic of how we all felt in that first summer of COVID. It's like, hey, we're all doing the best we can. We're all making the best decisions for our lives personally and our families and whatever we think is best because the information was changing so quickly. So you get back to campus when in 2020? I got back to campus, I believe, August 15th of 2020. Okay. I uh, moved into my apartment, but the first day I went right to Z with myself and Melody, and we basically sat and she taught me how to properly program the station so it didn't go off air. <laughs> right. So this is GM and PD at the time? or this She was at that point, had graduated, so I was switching over into being GM, but I needed to know how to properly program in case there were any issues and no one else could deal with it. So I learned how to do all of that on the fly. Schedule music and all that kind of stuff. Instead of having the months of training we hope to have, it was a crash course in two days. You are coming back in August. And remind me when the general students and the staff came back. Was it the same time or was it just kind of? It was the same time, but we obviously had to make specific changes to how they could come back into the station, um, which was definitely interesting. We stagnated shifts. We made sure there was like a one hour gap, I believe, between any DJ shift, any show, everything. That we said, no one's going to cross paths with each other. We're going to limit it to just whoever is in show is in station. And then I would be in my office for emergencies. But that was about it for the first semester, at least, of coming back. So while we're all, as alumni, quarantining mail and wiping down our groceries, you're staggering the jocks with an hour in between them. I'm just trying to draw the parallel here between what you were dealing with at Z while the rest of the world was trying to figure it out at the same time. Yeah, we... We stagnated shifts and we also had shows limited to three people and we separated them as far as we could. Everybody was masked on air. We give everyone little mic filters so they have their own. So it, we thought it would help uh, any little bit helped and everyone would wipe down the studios before they would go in. Like as they'd go in, they wipe it down. As they're leaving, they wipe it down. Just we went through too many wet wipes, which I'm guessing most of America did as well. Uh, alongside us. Yeah, those things were like finding gold on Amazon, trying to f get the supply of them. So how long did that last and what was the next phase of it? 
that specific first semester was the most strict for us, that it was three people per studio, no one else in station. Uh, the semester after that is when we got back to more of a normalcy, where we were able to have more of every, every show was going on as it normally would. But obviously we limited the studio to, I believe, four people at the time. And it was still everyone was masked up. Essentially, the entire 2020 to 2021 year for classes was everyone was masked up the entire time. It was, I believe, the last week of the semester was the first time we were able to go maskless in studio for a week because Syracuse said, yeah, you can do it now. I remember that was May of 21 when they finally kind of lifted that, right? Yeah, but listen, the last week of the semester, just to give everyone a tease of what it felt like to be real, to be normal again. <laughs> uh, so it was a tough time, but everyone managed. We were masked in studio. We all enjoyed it. Uh, and it helped, especially with us, because at that point, that semester is when all of the incoming freshmen had all of a sudden said, OK, we can start doing some things now. I want to do something. And so we had a wave of new freshmen and new recruits join Z um, to the point where we had to limit how many recruits we had per group instead of limiting how many groups we did. We had 15 maybe training groups of 10 plus people, but we had to stagger them like five in, five out of the time in the station. It was a lot of moving parts, but it got back to normal. So this is spring recruitment of 21. This is spring 21. We had a huge recruitment wave of just chaotic craziness because everyone wanted to join. Kyle, was some of that because you were one of the few organizations on campus that was active? I mean, you can't really play intramural flag football in the middle of COVID where people are on top of each other like that. But in this situation, we were able to stagger the jocks out. Was that part of the large recruitment that this was something to do when there wasn't much else? I very much so believe so. That a lot of kids who would not normally do radio, I think, the non-Newhouse kids a lot of the time, more than half of that group was not in Newhouse or wasn't in media at all and just wanted something to do. Mm -hmm. And we gave them an opportunity to just go on air and talk about music or talk about the two sporting events going on in the world at the time, whatever was happening, the one random marble race. <laughs> that's oh, my God, that's right. And the NBA playoffs that were taking place in the bubble. Yep. Like that was what we were able to talk about. And so we said, yes, like you can come on air and talk and you can at least make some sort of connection that I mean, being uh, in a dorm as a freshman at that time, you were. You were restricted. You couldn't go out. You couldn't do anything. You couldn't be a normal college kid. Right. So this is the closest a lot of them could get to being a normal college student. They could see people face to face. You couldn't see their mouths, but you could see their eyes at least, which helped. Remind me. So obviously, uh, fall of 20, people were pretty much in their dorms going to classes online, right? Yeah. Or not even on campus? Or was that kind of a mix? It was a bit of a mix. I know a lot of students who stayed home for the semester instead of coming to campus because they could save money on... Uh, living on campus, room and board. Yeah, of course. If you're going to just Zoom classes anyway. Yeah. Bingo. So a lot of students had remote classes. I know I had every class of mine that first semester was remote that I would wake up in the morning, load up Zoom. Uh, I had a yoga class on Zoom, <laughs> which was quite interesting uh, to be doing yoga in my hallway on a yoga mat. So it's a lot of that semester was Zoom. The second semester, so the spring semester, was a big hybrid of the two. Um, they said they wanted to push for every class to be in person, but that just wasn't the case. I would guess maybe half the classes at most per kid were in person. The ones that had to be were in person. So if you're doing yeah. a lab science or if you're doing a video class and they need you to be in person for part of it, that was where you got it. Okay, so now we get into the summer of 21. You're still GM and were there staff? Was that a little less automated than summer of 20? How are we at this point? Summer of 21 um, was less automated because I stayed the entire summer. 
Uh, it was myself and a few sports, sports staff and some grad students who were there. And I was on air every day doing a normal show. It was mainly just me in the studio. And then people who would come by over time, if someone came up to Syracuse for a summer visit, for whatever reason, they'd come stop in the station, do a show and then head home or grad students, if they were there, they could come on air as well. Um, so it was more back to normal, but it wasn't the same normal summer we have of multiple people being here in the studio. Got it. So now we get to fall of 21. Folks are starting to get vaccinated. Things are starting to get closer to normal, but not normal yet. Where are we fall of 21, which is now your senior year? Fall of 21, it was my senior year. Uh, at this point, we felt like everything was back towards quote unquote normal, as normal as it could be at the time. Mm -hmm. Everyone was still, I believe, masked in studio to an extent, but we let kind of the restrictions in terms of numbers in studio go up to I think five or six people. So you could have an AP or a producer in studio if you wanted to. Mm -hmm. And our in-station restrictions were lifted because the university lifted their own. So we we changed with their times and we still saw, though, the crazy recruitment go up. Out of the four semesters I was GM, three of them, we had over 100 recruits at least attempt to, if not, join Z wow. each semester. And that's not just on air. That's just to get involved with an activity, right? It was to get involved in general. We had multiple people want to just do social media. We had some that wanted to just do web writing. We had some that just wanted to be producers or do production or business stuff. We had a business staff as well. Wow. We had a lot of people. Um, which was a lot of mouths to feed with content and things to do. Uh, but always so much to do in the pandemic when you can't do a lot of things. Was it weird listening to the station and having everybody on there with a mask? Or was it just that was the way it was and everybody was kind of used to it? Everyone was kind of used to it. Um, it wasn't as weird listening to it as it was talking. Okay. I think that was the big thing is that I would listen to our shows to just hear what everyone sounded like and to see if there was anything I could change or make better for us. But honestly, it sounded okay. It sounded a little bit muffled, but not to a point where it was a problem. Uh, the bigger concern was just being on the mic itself. Like I know I was on a show and talking with a mask on. I know we've all done it in general in person, but having to talk into a microphone to a live radio audience with that on was just the worst ex experience I've ever had. Okay, so you get through fall of 21. Things are getting pretty close to normal. And then were you able to enjoy your last semester as a senior and get, have some sense of a normal college career at that point as you're wrapped up? I did. Uh, at that point, a lot of the restrictions had been lifted. Uh, it was mainly a mask in specific situations in classes for the first, I think, two or three months up through like March 15th. It was masks in certain classes. But as soon as that was lifted, it was kind of a you can go and do what you want now and just be as safe as you want to be that we said, okay, after every show, still wipe down the stuff in station. But outside of the station, everyone was doing what they wanted to. There was clubs going on again. There was games going on again. Basketball was happening. So everyone kind of got back to a normal college life. And I did get to experience a second semester senior year of a little bit of normalcy. I just can't imagine what it's like to have spent basically the second half of your college career going through all this. And especially running the station you know, you talked about having to keep it on the air over the summer and all these things. Are there particular folks that you worked with? I know you said Melody mentored you and got you going with the GM and, and programming music and sort of de facto PD over the summer. Are there folks you can think of in particular that really helped you work your way through this, the te your team? Yeah. In terms of team, Melody is the first person to start with. She luckily lived nearby. So if I needed to, she can come by the station at the time and help out if anything needed to be helped out with. 
Um, so she was the major one. Alongside her were my VPs, which were Rebecca Skaggs, Ryan Baker, Maddie Doolittle. The three of them over the next two years saved my life more than once. Uh, there was multiple days where Emma Damon as well, where we would have some crazy thing happen. The university would say, I know in November of 2020, they said, oh, everyone's being sent home <laughs> this week. And we were just wrapping up training. Ugh. So we wrapped up training and then everyone immediately got sent home for the rest of the semester. So at that point, I made a decision to stay over over winter break in Syracuse to make sure Z could run. Because at that point, I believe Rebecca was home in California and then I was stuck there. No one else could run Z if we needed anything in person to happen. So it was me, myself and I, but Rebecca, Ryan, Emma, Maddie, they helped me make decisions that should not have had to have been made over four semesters, um, whether it came to masks in station or having to not do certain events or not do certain things and restrict people here or there. I know our staff, I want to thank as well, because I know they understood, like, I didn't want to do certain things that I had to. I didn't want to make everyone wear masks in station, but also I know it's for the health of everybody. So I want to make sure that happens. And when the university may have gone a little less strict, I may have still been a little more strict with masking because the last thing I wanted to do was have a mask issue in Z. So I said, we're going to go as long as I can with this, with everyone being safe. And then as soon as that floodgate opens, Let's go. Let's go have fun. It's interesting you say that, that you went a little bit more cautious with the mask because obviously it became a big thing politically where people in the, across the country were fighting over it. I was going to ask you if you butted heads at all with the university in terms of mandates, but it sounds like you were a little bit more on the cautious side. How did that play out? Were there any things where you had to say to the university, hey, this is a very special, unique circumstance. We're a radio station. I know you have rule X, but can we have an exception because of Y? Did you find yourself in that position at all? In terms of in-station, we ever found ourselves in that issue. Luckily, the university truthfully did not check on us at any point in time. Uh, we were never touched on. We were asked questions by their COVID response teams or anything. It was just we did us and we had to kind of go off of whatever their restrictions were. The only times we ever did were sports travel uh, in terms of going to games, but that was tough for everybody. I know a lot of broadcast teams didn't get back to normal broadcast until this past summer. Yeah. So for us to do sports was the only restriction we ever butted heads with with the university. Outside of that, it was just us trying to figure it out and be 21 year olds acting in a political sense uh, and going off of whatever mandates the 10 different organizations in Syracuse <laughs> and in the U.S. were saying at the time. So you've got the university, you've got the county, you've got the city, you've got the state, you've got the federal. Yeah, I can't even imagine. And I think I speak for all the alumni when I talk about when I say we're grateful to you and to your team for navigating the station through such a very, very difficult time. We've, we're celebrating 50 years of the station. This is a once in a hundred year event. So. Hats off to you and your team. It's WJPZ at 50. Hey, it's Jag. You're probably listening to this episode of the podcast because you know the person I'm interviewing. But one of the true joys of this project has been learning the stories of everyone in the WJPZ family. When you're done with this podcast, I'd encourage you to check out an episode with someone you don't know. You never know what you might have in common with your other WJPZ relatives. Looking back at half a century of broadcast excellence. This is WJPZ at 50. Let me ask you whether it was related to COVID or otherwise, what are some of the lessons that you learned in running the station and being a part of the station that you've now taken with you in your, albeit brief, start to your uh, professional career? 
The big lesson I learned from the station is that everyone is willing to work together if you can find a way to work together, that you might be in business somewhere or you might run a podcast, but everyone can work together in some way, shape or form that we might perform completely different acts, but we can work together and everyone wants to work together at the end of the day. But that was the biggest thing I saw with us at Z is that for me, wanting to work with other people meant reaching out to alumni and how I could change things up. I know I talked to you about podcasting and getting microphones yep. and getting the best equipment we could use. Uh, and then I would talk to, I believe, Scott McFarlane because we wanted to do newscasts again. We wanted to do a bit of those. So we talked to Scott McFarlane. We talked to other alumni, including Alex Silverman, about what we could do in terms of the news space as well. So it was just a lot of talking to everybody and learning that we're a community. That was major, is that I don't think there's any organization college-wise in the U.S. that even closely resembles what WJPZ has in terms of a community, a love, a caring of one another, even if you are from 1972 or if you're from 2022. Speaking of that community, any friends, lifelong friends you've made at the station, you feel like you've just made that connection with and will be in your life for a long time going forward? Yes, I. there's a lot of them. Uh, everyone from, I know, Melody, the GM prior to me, along with that, Ethan, who Ethan Charlie was the GM in 2019, I believe. Yep. Uh, so the two of them, plus a bunch of my staff that I had as well. Uh, Maddie Doolittle, Emma Damon, Ryan Baker is one of my best friends now. We spent every day together. So at some point, you're going to become friends regardless of what y'all want to do. Uh, <laughs> whether you're from Washington or Connecticut, you're just going to be friends anyway. And right. so I can safely say I've made friends. And outside of that as well, I mean, I've made friends with alumni just by talking to everybody every day and through the banquets and the weird remote banquet we had as well. Uh, it's a bit of just good luck and happiness that we all brought each other together and became friends. Fair enough. Any funny stories that strike you? I mean, I can't imagine with all the stuff that you went through in two years with COVID, whether it's COVID related or otherwise, but any stories that, you know, might be fresher in your mind than some of us other older alumni, but anything that you can think of, of just a, a real funny story you look back on fondly? A fun, I mean, the funniest story is just has to be the banquet we had a week prior to everything going crazy. I remember spending the entire week in station cleaning it. Uh, I slept in station twice on the couch. Uh, and then we had our banquet and then everyone left on the Sunday. We were all decompressing. It was one of the best weekends of my life. And then on Tuesday, the Onondaga County and Syracuse University were like, everyone's going home. Yeah. So it was 48 hours following everybody leaving from a brunch on a Sunday after banquet. Still a little bit exhausted from it and just saying, you're going home. <sighs> uh, and so having to come up for that. Having to come back, I went to a vacation for two days, came back, had to drive back up over Spring Bridge to get all of my room packed up. Mm. And at the time, no one had masks. So we just put our no like our shirts over our noses and just trusted that would work. Oh, yeah. So it was it was that was probably the funniest story. There's a lot more I could I can't think of off the top of my head that happened over the span of two years. But a lot of them were just too insane or too outlandish to even think about yeah off the top of my head like there was a lot of weird moments we had where we would be masked up in station and something would happen on air or just something would go wrong somewhere and we had to just laugh about it because it was so ridiculous that it wouldn't happen any other year but during the covid years everything would break yeah oh i'm absolutely i'm sure murphy's law 
So let me ask you a bigger picture, Kyle, about the industry. Uh, a lot of folks have seen a lot of changes in the radio industry. There have been a lot of cuts. There have been a lot of naysayers about the industry, and I'll admit to being sometimes that myself. But you made the decision. You graduated. You wanted to be on air. You wanted to work in radio. Despite the changing tide of the industry, what are your thoughts on the industry and, and getting into it in 2022? My thought is that a lot of companies getting into like a lot of people getting into radio, there's opportunities left, right and center. OK, it may not be the case at the bigger companies like an iHeartRadio or an Odyssey or even a Sirius XM. Mm -hmm. But I'm seeing companies when I interviewed for jobs, like as I was graduating college that were like, yeah, no, we're doing better now than we did in 2018, that we've had a resurgence in the sale numbers. We've had more of this and more of that because a lot of the time radio, you can have one person in studio. Like I'm in studio on my own during my show. Like if I had COVID, I could be in there and I could do my show and just be fine. And everyone can listen to me still. So I see more opportunities now than there may have been in the past in radio. And I see it as a industry that is booming on the quote unquote smaller side. So if you looked at it in a sports way, it may be that the Patriots and the Cowboys are having a rough time but everyone else is doing well. Interesting. It looks like the two big companies or the three big companies are all kind of maybe downsizing in their own way, but a lot of smaller companies are getting bigger and growing more to kind of catch back up, which is getting rid of a bit of the monopoly that has been had on radio by these two or three companies in the past few years. Do you think that's just a different business model, whereas the iHeart's Odysseys, et cetera, of the world are looking at national and crunching the numbers and a smaller company, like probably the one that you are at, is more focused on the community and the product? I would definitely say so. That I know for us, we're focused on most of our stations are in Pennsylvania and we have some in New York and Delaware. That for us, I only see more opportunities coming. More people are joining my company by the day. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm not the most recent hire. I am four months in. I'm nowhere near the most recent hire, especially in the company. It's great. Uh, and it's good to see. I know I'm not the only radio person who's saying that now. If you look at other radio stations that might be in Maryland or might be in California, that they're probably having the same thing, uh, especially if they're not on the national outlook that an uh, iHeart, an Odyssey, someone of that nature might be looking at. I would be remiss if I did not ask you on a podcast. Are you still doing podcasting? I am still doing podcasting. Uh, it has become a bit more hectic with my schedule. Uh, but myself and my podcast co-host, um, we talk about the Saints and Arsenal usually every week. Uh, but it depends on schedules because he's still a student and I have to work 11 to 7 p.m. every day. And that comes with its own challenges. But yes, still podcasting, still going strong. For all of us that have worked in radio and are curious what it looks like right now, you said 11 to 7, you're on the air 2 to 7. Take me through, and I know no day is the same, but take me through a typical work day, what, what some of your responsibilities are there. I usually get in a little early. I get 10, 30, 11. That way I have 10, 30 to 11 o'clock to kind of sit around, relax, get myself set. If I have to do anything in the morning in terms of paperwork for a remote broadcast I may have done, I get that filled out. I put my food in the fridge, whatever's going on. Uh, and then it's if a meeting is taking place in terms of training for production or for programming, I go through that. I take half an hour or so to prep a show. Uh, so I go through Twitter. I go through Entertainment Online, Entertainment Weekly, ESPN. I look at what the headlines are. I write out my show. I then go and voice track a second show because I'm also on air in Bloomsburg. Uh, so I go and do that as well. And then I get that done. I get my show done. 
And then if I need to, I write a web article for the day. Uh, I know this past week I wrote about one of the dogs at Bark in the Park in the Mets game who caught a baseball in their mouth, uh, a golden retriever. So it's fun articles like that I might write on a day. And then I get some social media stuff done, whether it be just posting on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram and just going through retweeting things, liking things, whatever it ends up being. And then it's just showtime. And then I'm there from 2 to 7 p.m. on air. Live? I am live on air, 2 to 7 p.m. in State College. Uh, and it's it's nice. It's nice to be on air. I love voice tracking. I love talking recorded. But being live on air is the best. There's just something about that feeling. When you're on the air, your listener interaction, how much of it is on social? Are people calling, texting in? What is the listener interaction like in 2022? We have a bit of everything. Uh, I know myself, I have one segment every day where I do trivia time with Kyle. Uh, that I ask a random trivia question of the day. Uh, it might be themed for a week. I know last week I went full video game theme. So I talked about Sonic and Mario with the new Mario film getting ready to come out. Okay. Um, so I will always, if there's something to give away, I'll give it away during that time. So it's a call in if you have the right answer for the trivia question. And if you get it correct, you win these this prize. And for those ones, I know... I've gotten a lot of callers uh, in the past. We've given away Hershey Park tickets, which is one of the best amusement parks in the U.S. Yep. And we got, I believe, 25 callers on one of the days. And that's at one specific time at like 4.30 p.m. on a random Wednesday. So we get callers calling in. We have a text line that we use. Uh, that's not used as much. I push it a lot. It's not used as much. Uh, and then social media, we get interactions. Uh, I know. If I post a specific question on our Facebook page, that's probably where our most interactions come. Uh, that I know I asked the question of what show does everyone has everyone watched the most? Uh, I got, I believe, 350 responses in a day or two, uh, which is is more than I am expecting to get on a given post. So things like that is interactions. It's a CHR station, right? We are top 40 station. Uh, yeah. That's interesting to me that you have so much interaction on Facebook. I think there's a perception that Facebook skews a bit older. Is Facebook still the dominant social media platform for the station? For us, I would say it is. It is most definitely the most dominant. I believe follower-wise, we have our most by a, a big margin on Facebook. We post on all of them, all three of the Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. But Facebook is where the most interaction comes. It's where you can reliably say, we're going to get responses here. We know we are mm -hmm. um, because that's where a lot of our listeners are parents. That's where a lot of our listeners are. I know I have had interactions with people at different events, at different uh, festivals where they're like, yeah, my kids love you and we listen to you all the time. And it's like, OK, I'm talking to both a parent and a kid and the parents use Facebook. The kids are too young to use social media. So I have to find a way to talk to the parents while also catering to the kids, which is a very strange concept I have not still grasped. But I think it's a credit to you that you're thinking about it in those terms. Kyle left GM from 2020 to 2022. You shepherded the station through, I hate to use the word unprecedented because it's cliche at this point, but an unprecedented time. And now you are excelling in your first gig in the business. Congratulations on all your success. Continued success to you on behalf of all of our alumni. And thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. And I couldn't be here if it weren't for the alumni and everyone else making Z a dream come true and making it a real radio station that has given real world experiences. 
The WJPZ at 50 podcast is created entirely by the staff and alumni of the world's greatest media classroom. It's hosted by John Jag Gay, class of 2002. Editing help from James Bames Grundy III, class of 2020. Imaging by Maureen Cooper, class of 1999. And Ed Lacombe, class of 1985. Podcast artwork by Marty Dundix, class of 2001. Follow WJPZ at 50 on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, or wherever you're listening right now.